Uh, praise God. Praise God for worship. And uh, good morning again and welcome to our morning service, one of a few services that we run during the week. And um, it's good to come and, and be part of this time, an opportunity for you to worship, an opportunity for um, uh, for myself, by God's help, to share to share his word, word with you. I'd like to welcome you this morning as well, particularly if you've joined us for the first time. Uh, perhaps someone's encouraged you to come on Zoom and, and join us this morning. And so uh, praise God that you're here. Uh, I believe God wants you here. I believe God has a word for you. And I pray that you're encouraged through the word and uh, this morning if you're with us for the first time. And indeed, everyone else uh, that's here as well. Um, I want to pray for us. I'm going to pray this morning as we start God's word. Let's pray. Our loving Father, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I want to thank you for the beautiful faces and people that uh, we saw on just, this, just a moment ago. I pray that you would strengthen their faith. I pray that you would remind them that we all serve the same God. There's nobody better in this church, Lord God, that we all serve the same God. I pray this morning that you build their faith. I pray this morning, Lord, that you strengthen their faith. I pray like what the song was before uh, in the worship. Open our eyes in wonder, Lord. Open our eyes in wonder to see Jesus, the only one that we want to see. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And I pray this morning that you would open the, the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we may see more and more in simplicity who you are, and what you want to do for us. So we pray for those in our fellowship this morning that are hurting, those that are broken, those, Father, this morning that have found themselves in situations they don't want to be in, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you strengthen their faith, that you uh, help in their circumstances, Lord, and they may turn to you, cry out to you, call upon you, Lord, and that you may show yourself to be strong and mighty. Father, we pray for them. Pray for us all, Lord that you prepare us for your word, especially those who might have joined us for the first time. Open their hearts, Lord. Open all our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, God willing, uh, by God's grace this morning, I want to share with you a little bit more about this man's story, this man in John chapter 9, his testimony, his experience, his encounter uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're sort of getting to know this man a little bit more and, and the trials that he experienced straight after, straight after his his uh, encounter with Christ, unlike, unlike many of our experiences that often we have our encounter, our first encounter with Christ in a supportive community, this man was kind of hit with trial after trial um, in, in, that, in that first experience. And um, this man was born, the Bible tells us, this man was born not to uh, have his life conditioned by his blindness. Do you remember that? This man wasn't born that all his life would be blind. In fact, this man's life was born that God's glory might be revealed in him. Just like your life and just like my life. Our lives were born not that we would somehow be conditioned by certain things, but that God's glory might be seen in us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your life, despite your circumstances, despite your past, despite your emotions, despite people's opinions, despite your condition, regardless of all these things, these things do not dictate who you are today and who you need to be tomorrow. It's the grace of God that dictates this. Do you understand this? This is powerful. This is most significant. This is something the devil does not want you to hear. Listen carefully. Your past, the opinions of others, your condition, your emotions do not dictate who you are today and who you can be tomorrow. It's God's amazing grace that does this. 
It's God's amazing love and power that comes and looks at your condition and says, you were not born to stay in this condition. Amen. You were not born to remain in this condition. You were born to have sight. You were born to have life. You were born so that God's glory can be seen through you. Amen. And this is the hope that we have in Christ. When his love comes into your life, God fights for you. And when God fights for you, who can be against you? And when this happens, you are guaranteed the victory that we have in Christ. So that your condition, your past, the opinions of others, your emotions no longer determine how you live. But rather what Christ says about you. Life, beloved, sometimes feels like a board game, doesn't it? I was saying a couple of weeks ago. Consider Monopoly. You know, Monopoly is a famous game. It's a popular game. It's been around for, for years. Lots of versions of Monopoly has come out now. But consider the idea of the traditional Monopoly. You're going around and around and around and around. And that's all you're doing the whole game, around and around. And, you know, you, occasionally you'll pass go and collect $200, but you'll go around, you'll go around. It's scripted for you. Pass go, collect $200. That's the script of the game. Uh, every now and again, buy a house. Every now and again, put on a hotel or, you know, however it works. Uh, every now and again, you might be lucky to pick up a chance card that might give you success, or maybe it'll give you some trials in life. But every now and again, you'll pick up a chance card and just maybe, maybe something will go well for you. And life is scripted for you. Go around, go around, pass go, get your $200, collect your card, maybe have some success. And what about if Jesus comes and says, no, enough. I want to break the script. I want to break the routine. I want to break going around and around and around. I want you to get out of the board game and live life the way I have determined for you to live. So you're living life like a board game, just going around and around and around. Maybe, maybe you'll win. Maybe you'll have a chance card. Maybe somehow you'll collect $200 and maybe you'll be fortunate enough to get out of jail. But life isn't like that, beloved. God has got a script for you. God has determined the script for you, not a board game and not this life. And many people will go through life and they'll live life hoping somehow they'll find meaning to life. But they, don't, they find themselves rather in a motion without meaning. Jesus said something very significant. He said, he said this. He said, the blind cannot lead the blind. Do you understand that? If Jesus was blind, he could not have led this blind man, so to speak. The blind cannot lead the blind. You cannot go to people and hoping that people somehow with their life experience and wisdom is going to give you life and meaning. It doesn't work like that. Just because people have gone through life experiences and, and been through something, it doesn't mean they are experts on the topic. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You need to go to the expert. You need to go to someone who understands, not just someone who goes through similar experiences to you. That's okay sometimes. People can be understanding and people can be compassionate and people can sympathize with you. But in terms of an answer, it doesn't necessarily mean those who've gone through those experiences have an answer for you. You need an expert. It's like when once I had a problem with one of my cars and, 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 I, and I went to my mechanic that I normally go to and he, and he didn't know. And then he tried, I think I went two or three times and he just didn't know. When you go to a mechanic and you come with a problem, you hope that when you leave, the problem's fixed. Even though he's called a mechanic, 
He didn't have an answer for me until someone else told me about another mechanic and I took it to this mechanic who seemed to be more experienced or had more expertise and he found the problem. That's what I want. It's like a student going to a teacher. A student who has a problem with a question goes to a teacher not thinking they're going to walk back not knowing the answer. A student goes to a teacher expecting to go away knowing the answer. The blind cannot lead the blind. And this morning, my friends, I'm telling you, in your rut, in your circumstances, in the life that's been dictated or scripted for you, come to Jesus. He is the expert. He is the master builder. He will come and establish for you a strong foundation. This man was blind, but he wasn't, his whole life wasn't there to stay, to stay blind. And when he gave his life, when he, when he, when he encountered Christ and he followed, he, I'm imagining that what he would have done was he would have wanted to walk always and follow Jesus in his footsteps because Jesus had given him sight. Where would this man have gone? Imagine if one of his friends would have come up to him and said to him, ah, um, Simon, whatever his name was, hey, why don't we go back to where we were from? Where's this man going to go? Where's this man going to go that now the Lord Jesus has opened his eyes? Is he going to go back to his old ways? What's his old ways? Is he going to go back to blindness? Is he going to say, yeah, I'm going to go back to being blind? Of course not. That is foolish. When the Lord Jesus Christ touches your heart and moves in your heart and sets you free, it is foolish to go back to that place that you came from. Just like a blind man saying, I want to be blind again. It is foolishness. It doesn't happen. This is the grace of God, the grace of God that has called us into a marvellous place. The Bible says in Proverbs that when you know wisdom and you treasure God's word and you know the fear of the Lord, these are the kinds of things that guard you and protect you. And it stops you, it says here, from those, uh, it guards you from those who leave the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. Do you understand what Proverbs is saying here? There are people who want to leave the paths of righteousness to go where to go back and walk in the ways of darkness. I mean, that's foolish. That's absurd. It's like saying to the blind man, come, I've got a great way for you. It's called blindness. And the guy says, you're joking. I know truth. Now my eyes have been opened now, beloved stand firm in the way of the Lord. And when the temptations come around you to say, come back, come back, come back, listen to that and understand that is the way of the enemy that's saying, come back. And you're saying, no, I'm going to stand firm because now my eyes are open. The Bible says this, that God is light and in him is no darkness. Do you understand this? And then John says this to us. If we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. You cannot, beloved, say that you have fellowship with him and say that you walk in light or you are in light, but rather you walk in darkness. It does not work for the Christian. It's like saying to this man that was blind and now saw, and now that can see, saying to him, you know what? Now you're still blind. Or this man says, I'm going to walk in blindness. And he closes his eyes walking around because he wants to go back to the way he was. It doesn't make sense. He's like, what are you doing? Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Why are you walking around with your eyes closed? You're, you can see now. And so we begin to understand the absurdity of having seen and wanting to walk back in darkness. It's absurd. It's absurd. It doesn't need to dictate who you are. God is for us. And when God is for us, 
there is victory. There is victory because he fights for us as well. This man now was unashamed and confident. He was unashamed and he was confident. It's like he knew God was for him. God was for him. It's like he knew that. And last week we saw um, uh, in verse 15, it says, And the Pharisees also asked him again and, and how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and I saw. And that was the second time he was being asked. He was being asked about his testimony. And if we, we crept down, you see in verse 21, it says, by, by, And his parents are being brought in. Yeah, his parents are being brought in. And I, I suggested last week that he had, you know, his parents weren't very supportive parents. Maybe their fear stopped them from being very supportive of him. Um, and it says in verse 21, his parents say, By what means he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He's of age, ask him. And he'll speak for himself. Now, because, of course, they said this because they were scared because if anyone claimed the name of Jesus, they'd be thrown out of the synagogue and they were more scared of being, being thrown out of their church than being thrown out of heaven. So arguably very, you could say, unsupportive parents. This man, listen to what happened to him. He had neighbours that were unsure. He had parents, you could say, were unsupportive. And he had a religious community that were unwilling to receive it. What has he got going for him? Everyone's fighting against him. Yet he had God who was for him. God was fighting for him. And that was going to determine his victory. That was going to determine his life. He wasn't going to be scripted by his neighbours, his parents, and the religious community who think, oh, who's that person? No, it was going to be scripted by God himself. On this earth, that the works of God may be manifested in him. You're on this earth that the glory of God may be manifested through you. You need to believe that. You need to believe that and walk in faith and walk faithfully and let God fight for you. Amen. So now we get to the third and last testimony. The third and last time this man is asked his testimony. Now, by this stage, it's kind of uh, the conversations are brewing uh, there's probably, you could argue, tension happening in the conversations because he's, now it's his third time he's being asked to explain what happened to him. And if you look at verse 26, verse 26 of chapter 9, the Bible says this, Then they said to him again, these are the Pharisees, Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They've They've already told him. He's already told them that. He's already explained to them what's happened. But they've asked him again. He says in verse 27, listen to this. He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. Do you want to be his disciples? What are you asking me for? I, I think I might have said last week, I don't think this man is frustrated. I think this man is genuinely confused. You keep asking me and I've told you. Do you want to be his disciples? Do you also want to follow this man? Do you also want to know so that you can actually make a decision to believe in him? Why is it that you keep asking? It's very simple. 
Yeah, I was blind and now I see. You, you heard my mum and dad. They told you that I was born blind. The testimony is true from their mouth. And I'm telling you that how he did it to me and I was blind and now I see. What is complicated about that? And it's funny because when you share your testimony to people, you say, oh, look, you know what? I was a sinner. I was doing this. I was doing that. But the Lord Jesus Christ set me free. People say, oh, yeah, you, just, you were just kind of thinking positive. You just you had a change of mind. No. I couldn't do it by myself. You tell them, I couldn't do it by myself. But the Lord Jesus Christ set me free. I tried and I tried and I tried until I trusted in the Lord. I trusted in the Lord and the Lord broke my stubbornness. The Lord broke my pride. The Lord broke my hardness of heart. And I came and experienced life for the first time. The Lord broke the script of the board game. It's like this man is saying, can I show you anything else? What else can I show you? What else can I show you? And I ask you the same thing this morning, my friends. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've heard this man's testimony, or even if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're struggling because you don't know how much to surrender to him, how much more can I show you? What else can I show you? Just by the very nature of blindness, the sad very nature of blindness. It doesn't matter how many pieces of paper you put up to their eyes and how many things you show them, they're not going to see. How much more can I show you? How much more are you going to need to hear? Because I'll tell you something, what happens is I, I, I would can call them the two R's. What, what tends to happen is this, you run, you run and you give reasons. Yeah, you run and you give reasons why you will not surrender your heart to the loving grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who wants to fight for you and who wants to dictate and determine life for you where his works will be manifested in you and you experience the rest and the peace and the eternal life that the Lord Jesus Christ has for you. Why do you keep fighting God? Why not let him fight for you? Do you keep running? Do you have a reason why you keep running? When will your running stop? When will your legs get so tired that you think, I cannot run anymore? You know you're going to keep running. You're going to keep running and running and running like you're not running anywhere. It's just running in like a board game around and around and around and around. You're not getting anywhere. And when are your reasons, listen carefully, when are your reasons going to become excuses? Because maybe at the start there were good reasons, supposedly good reasons, reasons you had. But when are they going to become excuses? When are you going to stop and realize, you know what? They're not reasons anymore. They're simply excuses. Why I do not surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. He calls out to me. He taps on my heart. He knocks on the door of my heart and he says, come to me. Come to me. I want to forgive you. I want to clean you. I want to wash your shame away. I want to wash your guilt away. Come unto me. I want to break the power of sin in your life. I want to deal with it once and for all, even though all your attempts come unto me. And you say, no, there's a reason why I can't. When are your reasons going to stop? When do your reasons become excuses and you're going to stop? You're going to stop running. You're going to stop having excuses. And you're going to bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender your heart to him. He loves you. Stop fighting God and let God fight for you. This man asked these people the same question. Verse 28. Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple. You are his disciple. But we are Moses' disciple. <laughs> it's really interesting what these, what these people do. Do you know what the, you realize what they're doing here? 
one of the things I think they're doing is they're going back to those things that are safe for them. You know, you know when someone's confronted, when someone's confronted with something or when pressure comes, it's not, it's not untypical for people to go back to something that is safe for them. You know, if someone's confronted with truth, they go back to their religion or they go back to how they've been brought up. They say, no, 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 no. That's not how I understand things. That's not how I grew up. That's not what I was taught. That's not what religion says. And they go back to things that are safe for them because they're too scared to face the truth. And they'll go back to things that are safe and comfortable for them. And they'll say, you know what? I need to go back to those things that make me feel safe and comfortable. But those things that are making me safe and comfortable are going to take me to hell. It's like habits, my, my beloved. It's like habits, my friends. It's the same thing with habits. We say to ourselves, oh, you know what? The way I was brought up, the way my parents taught me, uh, the, the, the way my parents parented me or the things that I've seen in life, you know, I, I'm not going to do the same thing. I'm not going to do the same habits. But then when pressure comes, and parents, you'd know this, when pressure comes in your parenting, all of a sudden you start hearing your parents through you or you start seeing your behavior like your parents through you. You think, well, I thought I'd never say that. I thought I'd never do that. Because when pressure comes, it's not, a, it's not rocket science. When pressure comes or you're confronted with something, it's very normal for you to go back to old habits or things you have learned or things you've seen. And you, and you need to intentionally come before the Lord and say, Lord, break this in me because I cannot run back to things that are safe and comfortable and normal. This cannot be normal for me. This cannot be normal to live life the way I feel most comfortable about. I need to live life the way Jesus has asked me to live life. And that means breaking the habits of life. And that is the freedom we have. So no longer do you have to fight God. He fights for you and breaks the habits that you're tired of going back to. That is freedom. So no longer you are living life the way it has been shown to you or the way you've experienced it. You're living life the way Jesus wants you to live. That is freedom, my friends. It doesn't have to be normal for you. This doesn't have to be normal for you. But are you hungry? Are you hungry? I say that because if you're not really hungry, then you're not going to really search. But are you hungry? You know, when Israel were in the wilderness, they... We're in the wilderness. God was providing for them every day. And then they got sick of the manna. You know, one of the reasons I think they got sick of the manna because they weren't really hungry. What they were hungry for was the leeks and the garlic and the food back in Egypt. They wanted the stuff that they were allowed to do once upon a time because they weren't hungry for God. And so what God had for them was like, oh, what's this stuff? It's like, like nothing compared to what I had in slavery. They would rather have gourmet in slavery than God's food in freedom. Absurd. It's like a blind man closing his eyes again. It's absurd. One of the stories I love in the Bible, it's so beautiful in the Bible. You don't need to turn to it. I'm just going to quickly read it. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 20, starting from verse 29 now. Um, and it's when two men... We're by the road and Jesus walks past. Listen to this story. I'll just read it to you very, very quickly. Two blind men. Now, as they went out of Jericho, the great multitudes followed Jesus. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, 
O Lord, Son of David. They wanted the same thing. They wanted to be able to see. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. You see what happens? The people were trying to dictate who they are. The people were trying to determine the script of their life. Hey, listen, you are blind. Be quiet. He's coming past. Don't cry out. Be quiet. Don't, shh, don't say anything. The people around them were trying to say, hey, you're blind. Get over it. You're going to stay blind. Don't bother him. Hang on. When I read the Bible... I don't read, that's Jesus. I never read Jesus saying, hey, you're blind, get over it. What I see Jesus say something like this, come unto me, those who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What I hear Jesus say to me is, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What I hear Jesus say is this, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. Because he wants to fight for you. So they cry it even the more. They're not going to be determined by other people's opinions, other people's perception of them. They cried out even more. It's like they said to the people, you know what? I don't care what you think. Jesus, have mercy on us. So Jesus stood still and called to them and said, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do to you, for you? And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Did they say, Lord, give me a car, give me a house. Give me a partner. What, what, what were they crying out for? Mostly that they could see. All these other things are fine in life. All these other things are good in life. They can be very good in life. But at the heart of the matter, I want to see, Lord. Above all things, I want to be able to see. I don't want to just collect $200. I don't want to put a motel, a hotel, a house. I don't want to pick up a chance card. I want to see. I want to see. So Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. And I love that because their eyes received sight and they didn't go in the other direction. They followed him. And that's exactly the same way. When our eyes are open, we've got nothing else that we can do but follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And that is God's gift to us. Verse 29, if you go back and look at verse 29. The Bible says this. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Can I ask you something? How did they know that God spoke to, to Moses? How did they know? Uh, did Moses come to them physically? Did Moses say, hey, I'm Moses. Let me tell you something. Did Moses come to them in a dream? How did they know that God spoke to Moses? Very simply, it was in, in their word and by faith they believed it. Didn't they? They would have had to because Moses didn't come to them physically. By faith, they would have believed that God spoke to Moses. And yet they are finding it so hard by faith to believe that God opened through Jesus Christ this man's eyes, that he must be someone significant. Because you know what's going to happen, beloved? Faith is going to set your heart free. If you, by pride, continue to run and continue to resist what God is able to do for you when he fights for you, you will never be free. It was the same faith, the same faith that would have taken them to believe that God spoke to Moses. It would have taken the same faith to believe that Jesus opened this man's eyes. But pride would not let them. 
or envy would not let them. Whatever it is, they weren't prepared and that got in the way and that was going to stop them from knowing the truth. Don't let it stop you from knowing the truth this morning. Don't let it stop you from coming to the foot of Jesus and having life in him. If we keep reading, the Bible says this. The man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvellous thing. This, this is an incredible script this man now speaks. But, uh, you know, I would like to go into it, but I'm not going to go into it too much detail. Um, the man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvellous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. He starts to teach them. But if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And he gives this, this beautiful um, theological uh, application to life. <laughs> and he's able to describe God and he's able to describe the circumstance and he's able to somehow try reveal to them the truth of the matter. This man understood God more than them. This man who was considered at the start maybe a sinner, uh, who sinned him or his parents, blind, uh, beggar, understood more about God than the religious community because he knew God. And what God is after, my friends, is not your knowledge, but your relationship with him. What God wants is one who believes and relates to him than one who continues to fill their head with knowledge. Because this is what sets you free. Not all the knowledge in the world, but when you're prepared to trust the word of God. And when you trust the word of God and you say, God, if you spoke it, it must be true. Then this is what God is asking for. That's like the psalmist back, I think, in Psalm 119. He says that even because I meditate on your words, you make me wiser than my teachers. Well, this man was wiser than his teachers because he knew God. He knew the experience of God. He wasn't dependent just on some religious knowledge. Religious knowledge, my friends, is never going to save you. Religious knowledge, in fact, might deceive you and send you to hell. But truth, relationship, experience, the knowledge, salvation, this is what saves us. Verse 34. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us and they cast him out. Whoa, whoa. Now it's getting really personal. Now it's getting really, really fiery. You know what? You're born in your sins. You're trying to teach us now? Who are you to try and teach me? Who are you to... It's like, you know, someone comes new to the church and they've had a really rough background and they give their life to Jesus and they come to me and I've just finished preaching and they say, and they try and teach me something. I don't say to them, who are you to teach me? No, I listen. Because maybe they've got something to share with me. But these guys, their heart was hard. Their, their pride was getting in the way or their envy was getting in the way. And they said, who are you to teach us? You are born in your sins. Get him out of here. And so they cast the truth out with the man. How sad. They would not be prepared to be taught. I don't know, last time I read Psalms, David said a similar thing. How is this man any different to men in general? How is this man any different to the Pharisees themselves? Even their own father David. Even David who they esteem in the Old Testament, who wrote so many Psalms, who was king. Even their own David, 
said what? That he was brought forth in iniquity and his mother in sin conceived him. Even their own father David said that in Psalm 51. So what are they saying about this man? Is he any different to their father David? See, they're confused. They're they're clutching straws. They're trying to find answers. They're trying to avoid truth. They're running and their reasons have become excuses. But let God fight for you. This world does not need to dictate how you live. Your past, your condition, people's opinions, your emotions, whatever it is, does not need to dictate who you are. Truth will dictate. The Lord God Almighty will dictate. And you stop fighting against him and allow him to fight for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8. These people were unteachable. Now, I love, they cast him out. And who comes to the rescue? Praise the Lord. It's exactly like our lives today. Though we are rejected by men, we are loved by God. And verse 35 is probably one of the most beautiful verses in the scripture that perhaps gets overlooked a lot. And they cast him out after all these trials, people who are unsure, people who are unsupportive, people who are unwilling, and now they just get out of here. And along comes Jesus, verse 35, and says, like a faithful saviour, a faithful, compassionate shepherd, he comes and sees his own hurt, the touching the apple of his eye. That they, he sees what has happened. He's heard what has happened. They've cast him out. And at that point, he comes in at rescuing. And even if the temptation is beloved sometimes, where is he? Hey, he's still working, isn't he? And he'll come at the right time. And in verse 35, the Bible says this, And Jesus heard they had cast him out. And he, when he found him, what does that suggest to you? He went looking because he wanted to find him. He found him and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Jesus went cared for him, found him, and started to have this really deep and meaningful conversation with him, rejected by man, loved by God. That's why the Bible says, again, I'll say it again, Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Do you believe that this morning? If God is fighting for you, who can be against us? Stop fighting God. If sin is getting in the way, or reasons are getting in the way, or excuses are getting in the way. you just got to know something. If God is fighting for you, who can be against you? Every uh, sin will be broken. Uh, Your circumstances won't dictate you. God, his works are planned to be glorified through you. It also says this in Romans. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you understand that? We are more than conquerors, not just a conqueror. You know, when someone goes to war and they come back, yeah, we conquered. We are more than conquerors. What weapon formed against you shall prosper, the Bible says. What weapon? If you trust in the Lord, what weapon? Stay faithful, stay in faith and allow God to fight for you. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Romans 8, 37. Verse 36, and he answered and said to him, who is he, Lord? <laughs> who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? This man had, had experienced something of Jesus. Listen carefully. But now he wanted to believe in him. You know, friends, 
There are people who come to church sometimes for many, many weeks, many months, even sometimes many years, and they experience Christian things. They hear Christian things. They, they witness Christian things. And all along, they are somehow uh, drawn and warmed by these Christian things, yet they never themselves really believe in Jesus. And all the experiences that happens around you, even sometimes the experience that may happen to you during worship or during a message, you feel overwhelmed, you start to cry, and all these things that you might experience, but yet in your heart of hearts, you realise that you haven't actually really believed and given your heart to Jesus. You haven't really actually repented from your old ways and given your life to Jesus once and for all in complete surrender. Well, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe it's you this morning that you've experienced the things of God around you and even to you. But now it's time to truly believe. He says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Now, research suggests that people who don't have a particular sense like blindness, what happens? Other senses are heightened, aren't they? Other senses become, um, become heightened. So what begins to happen, you might be, uh, you might be blind, but your, uh, uh, your hearing is heightened or your, or your smell is heightened or your touch is heightened. Well, I imagine this man would have been listening to Jesus and I'm just imagining how beautiful in his heart would have been bubbling the sense of excitement because he's, he, he's recognizing the voice, isn't he? I can imagine. He's, hang on. This voice sounds very familiar. Maybe as Jesus was speaking to him, he's actually recognizing the smell of Jesus. And maybe he's realizing, hang on, this voice and this smell, this is actually very familiar. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe? Bubbling of excitement in his heart. And then Jesus does what he sometimes does in quite compassionate and uh, or rather, he does it in, in, a, in a way that can help open the eyes of people. And he says this, verse 37, you have both seen him, yeah, because now you've seen him, before you couldn't see him. You have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. And can you imagine this man saying, yes, I got it right. It's him. I recognize his voice. It's him. Doesn't Jesus excite you? He excites me. You've got to get excited about Jesus. If you're going to get excited about anyone, it's going to be Jesus. It is he who you have now seen because he was blind and who is talking to you. You recognize the voice? It's like Jesus saying to him, I know you recognize the voice, don't you? Verse 38. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You know, this is beautiful because this is the distinctions of faith. You cannot have belief without worship. You understand that? When you believe in God, you worship him. That doesn't mean like this all the time. That's what I'm talking about that when I say worship, lifting up your hands in the air with your eyes closed. I'm talking about when there's this deep worship of God, this deep adoration of God. I would go as far as saying this deep love to live life for him. It's worship. It's the worship of God. You know what? Anything you want, Lord, I worship you. So he believed and he worshipped. These are the distinctions of faith. You cannot believe without worshipping. You cannot believe without giving him your whole life. You cannot believe and, not say, and then say, I don't want to worship him with my life. You can't. 
These are the distinctions of Christian faith. To believe is to worship. Are you a worshiper of God this morning? Do you worship him with all your life? You know, people say of someone else, oh, man, they just worship that God. Yeah, Jesus is who I worship. And with everything, unashamed, confidence, boldly, I worship Jesus. As he believed, he worshipped. They go hand in hand. Because what's going to kill you is pride. What's going to kill you is your ego. What's going to kill you is your reputation. What's going to kill you is those things that embarrass you in life. Those things that prevent you from being a believer and a worshipper. These men, these religious men, had exactly the same opportunity as this man. But they cast him out with the truth. Pride was going to kill them. Envy was going to kill them. Perhaps ego was going to kill them. Perhaps their own knowledge was going to kill them because knowledge puffs up, the Bible says. It makes you proud, but love edifies you. It builds you up. And then finally, we'll wrap it up. Verse 38. And then he said to him, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Boy, I'd love to know how they said it. Did they say it with arrogance or did they say it with humility? I suspect it was arrogance. I suspect by Jesus' response. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. To say you believe, listen, to say you see. If you're sitting here this morning listening and you think, ah, oh, what's this? I understand better than this. I, I know my life. And to say you see is a very dangerous place to be. The God of the Bible says this, you need to say that you can't see. You need to say that you are blind. You need to say that sin has stopped you from seeing God, the relationship that God wants to have with you. And in doing so, you will be set free. Are you still fighting God? We get to hear this man's testimony, and it's a beautiful testimony. He was blind and now he saw. And when he saw, his, his eyes were opened to Jesus and he worshipped. Are you still fighting God? Are you still allowing life and, and, and the script of life to dictate who you are? Or will you humble yourself this morning and say, Lord, I've been resisting. I don't want to get rid of this sin in my heart. I, I think I've got it worked out. Uh, um, uh, pride is, is I, I need this part of my life. I'm too proud to give it up. And will you stop fighting God this morning and allow God to fight for you? When he does, the victory is guaranteed. Life is blown out of the script and it becomes God's script for you. All of a sudden, the works of God, God wants to manifest them through you. He wants to glorify his name through you. And this morning as we pray, I want us to just spend a moment to pause and pray. If this morning you keep resisting and you keep running and you keep giving reasons, if you keep doing that this morning, 
forever it is, even if you're a Christian, if you're saying, you know, can it, because really, are you closing your eyes again? And I pray this morning that you would humble yourself and come to the great healer, the great God Almighty who opens our eyes to open the eyes of your heart, that you may come to a place of not fighting but surrendering, to come to a place of understanding yourself, understanding him and surrendering yourself to him. Be a believer who is also a worshipper. So I want to spend a moment to pray this morning. Let's just bow our heads before the Lord. I pray this morning that you would stop that if you want to be free, that you would stop fighting God. Uh, if, if there is sin in your heart, if there's blindness in your heart, that you would stop defending yourself and let it go, that you would repent, that you would give your life to Jesus, that you would find your sight in him, that you would find your peace in him, that you would allow him to dictate your life. So as we just come in a place of quietness this morning, if that's where your heart is, I just want you to pray in your heart this morning and say, Lord Jesus, just in your heart, in your own words, Lord Jesus, I turn from who I am. I turn from my sin. I repent from the way I've tried to live. I'm following my ways. I'm following uh, the script that has been, the world has given me. And I turn this morning to you to believe only in you, to worship only you. Help me to see, Lord. Help me to see, and in all things, help me to be free. You pray that prayer this morning. You come in simple faith, in humility this morning, and trust that his word is true. God comes looking, and God will defend his people. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I want to thank you for every person that you've allowed to come and listen to your word, even myself, Lord, as I listen to myself speak. I just thank you, Father in heaven, that you have a word for us. And I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that pride or, or envy or, or ego or anything else, Lord God, does not stop us from complete surrender to you. Father in heaven, I pray this morning that we stop in every way fighting you and we trust that you will fight for us. We thank you for your promises, Lord God, that we are more than conquerors in you. We thank you for your promises, Lord, that if you are for us, who can be against us? I thank you, Lord God, that you're a God who is for us. So, Father, bless your people as they meditate on your word, as they take it into the week, and as they trust you simply at your word. Bless them, Father. Make your face to shine upon them. I pray, Lord God, that they may look out for each other this week, that they may care for one another, that they may contact one another, Lord, that they may be there caring for the fellowship and for the body. So I pray your blessing upon them and all that we do until we meet again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.